This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle. Fort Gronkowski makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass Matt Ryan today is looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones has it, and in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome once again to the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, your co-host, joined by Nick Stevens and our producer, Kevin Collins. And How could it happen? That was last week. Uh, How could it happen again, I guess? Yeah. We need. Right. Has anyone checked on Patriots' granddad? Yeah, is he no. is he all right? Because I'm going to tell you, anyone who's looking for a bounce back know. week from me, you're not going to get it. I'll, I'll say this much. Uh, this much. Those boxes have had. Are you a, sh- me? Those boxes have had a tough two weeks, being drugged to Miami and drugged to Pittsburgh. The hats and t-shirts mm-hmm. have made two road trips. The boxes have a home game this week. That's the good news. The boxes do not have to travel. Um, uh, you know they had to bring them right. They had they to. Did. They were in Miami. They boxes were in and boxes of AFC East yeah. 2018 championship T-shirts and hats. And I got to tell you, I heard Rob Ninkovich talking about how little the AFC East championship hats and T-shirts mean to Patriots. Oh, I agree. The players. I mean, but it at, is funny that it's been a hat and T-shirt week for two weeks in a row now. Two road games. Mm-hmm. They've been just taking up space on that charter. Those boxes have been drugged in into uh, Dolphin Stadium or whatever they call it now, uh-huh. Hard Rock. Right. They've been drug into Heinz Field. Yep. They had to be drug out both times. And now back to Foxborough and those guys that had to lug them here, there, and everywhere all the way up and down the eastern seaboard are saying, geez, I could have just left them here the whole <laughs> you think, time. You think they, they stuck them way in the back of the charter, like the last four rows or something? At this point, you know what Belichick should do if and when they do win on Sunday? And I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'll just say that right now before we get into I got I do legitimately have friends of mine that have been texting me saying like, I don't know, man. I feel like those T-shirts are going to be on kids in Haiti and Nicaragua. What's going on? It's not happening. No, no, I, uh, they, they will have the T-shirts. They, they have to win one of the last yes. two to win the AFC East because they'll, Miami got waxed it, in Minnesota. This week. They'll have it this week. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners who, sure. we, who we have as a guest today? Uh, NFL fans, NFL international fans, and Patriots fans alike, you will enjoy and rejoice in this week's guest, former New England Patriots right tackle and now reformed super fit man and NFL Germany broadcaster Sebastian Vollmer. Then I was a little girl in Dusseldorf. Seabass <laughs> will be joining us today on the Cover 2 podcast to talk about Recent Patriots struggles, offensive line play in the NFL, his NFL Germany efforts with the Patriots and the NFL, and anything else we can talk week 16 because uh, this is when this is when you're supposed to like not only know your team but like start showing your medals, start showing your tough and dictating pace and tempo for the playoffs. And Don, you know that metaphor I often use is like, oh, I feel like after this week, like it was like a toddler with a snow globe. The kid just grabbed it, shook it up, and it's everywhere. Tell me who's the lead dog in yeah. the NFL. Who's Tell good? me who's, for, who's good. Who is good in the NFL Seriously. right now? Um, you know, you could watch last night and the Saints outlasted Carolina by three in uh, a 12-9 game. What a bond burner guy. Yeah. 
And look, I get it. The Saints have actually been winning with defense. In the last six weeks of the season, they have the league-low scoring defensive average. Um, I think it's around 13 points a game. So they're not doing it the way they did it in the first, I don't know, 10 games of the season. But they are still winning. Other than that, I mean, yeah, there were five very, very likely or clinched playoff berths, uh, playoff teams that lost in Week 15. I mean, think about it. It started with the Chiefs. Yep. Uh, the the Pats lost. Um, the Rams lost. The Cowboys lost. Seattle lost. All five of those teams are going to the playoffs. All five of them took an L in Week 15 and made you question, huh, what are they, who are they at this point? Now, are the Cowboys... Definitely going to the playoffs. Well, it's likely. Here's what they've got to do to miss the playoffs. They've got to lose two home games, mm-hmm. and Philly or Washington has to win both of their games. Yeah, but you know who's back calling the signals and taking snaps in Nicky, Philadelphia. St. Nick. B.D. Foles. St. Nick. B.D. BD yeah. Nick. That's right. All right, but let's, 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 uh, let's approach this. I want to go at it this way. Of those five teams that lost, Mm-hmm. That are going to the playoffs, right? Which one of those losses was the most costly? I'll go first. I think it was the Rams. I think it was the Rams. Not only did they lose a home game to a Philadelphia team that really shouldn't have given them a great game um, with with mm-hmm. their backup quarterback, right. and secondly, Goff looks terrible. The last three weeks, awful. Yeah, as as somebody who just lost hundreds and hundreds of dollars because Jared Goff played so terribly. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, but that I mean, but he has not looked good. No, at he all. looks like Jeff Fisher's coaching him again. And it's yeah, you know, this is what you get for trusting someone. I'm not going seven and nine, Don. That is some seven and nine BS. Thank you. Dave. All right, this is what you get when you trust your franchise. To somebody who doesn't know where the sun rises and sets or which direction is east and west. Now, I know he played extremely well this year. He was MVP. He was level, awesome. Level. He was absolutely awesome in the Monday night game of the year. Chefs at the Rams that should have been played in Mexico City. Instead, he has massively regressed. Now, some say, well, I blame it on the lo- the, the loss Cup. of Cooper Cup. But it's not just the Cooper Cup thing. Shouldn't be. No, it's not. Because he's still got Robert Woods, he's still got Brandon Cooks, he's still got Josh Reynolds, and he still have the best running back in the NFL. There's no excuse for this poor play, and I don't know why he's regressed so poorly I'm, and quickly. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit like looking at Sean McVay. He is a creature of Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. Sean McVay kind of turned him into an upper level elite NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. So how is he going to fix this? Well, that, maybe if McVay would spend less time memorizing the names of all the defensive players <laughs> and more time on his quarterback. Oh, that's the wonder of McVay. That's yeah. the magic of McVay. V- the wunderkind that is McVay. Which team do you think lost this week? And I think I know which one you'll say. Who who you feel like the loss was the uh, costliest? I, I would say the two teams that would be seeing their nation's flag and hearing their anthem sharing the gold medal would be the Rams of the NFC and the Patriots in the AFC. The Rams, because not only are they spitting the bit on a potential number one seed— Oh, that's gone. Yeah. They're spitting the bid on the potential number two seed. They could now miss the bye if Chicago wins out and the Rams lose. So they could miss their bye, forget about number one, and now no one's afraid of them. Their defensive line is playing miserably. Goff is lost, and they've got two weeks to get out of this tailspin. In the AFC, the Patriots not only lost back-to-back games for the second time this season, they failed to knock out 
two conference rivals. They basically could have ended the playoff hopes of two teams, one in their division and then, of course, right. a vaunted conference rival like Pittsburgh. Right. They, f- they failed to secure their playoff spot. They're still not in the playoffs. They haven't locked up the AFC East, previous hat and T-shirt boxes being dragged all over the East Coast. And they've shown people that they're a mess in so much as, how about this? This is the first time in the Bill Belichick era. Forget about the whole, like, five losses, three and five on the road, first time since 2009. First time, thanks to Evan Lazar on Twitter, that a Bill Belichick team has scored 10 or fewer points three times in a season. Right. Now who's afraid of the Patriots? Who's afraid of anybody? But no one's afraid of the big bad Pats anymore. And now can I give you a reality check for as bad as it looks Uh and as uncharacteristic as they have played, especially when the games were on the line? Mm. Here's the situation. Are you ready? Brady in the red zone now is not a sure thing, Don. They win at home against the Bills and Jets the next two weeks. Houston has to go to Philly in week 16 where Philly is alive. And they win that game. If Philly wins that game, the Pats are right back in the two seed and they're going to stay there. I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. for as much as the sky is falling, and I get it because of how they have lost, Mm -hmm. they are two wins over their punching bag division rivals at home. And a Houston loss at Philly, the defending Super Bowl champion, away from being back in the two seed. Right, and Philadelphia's game again because they got Foles. And right. So their playoff hopes they can they can actually sort of smell the wild card, and if they get in, who knows what happens. How next. are you feeling if we're sitting here a week from right now, or maybe Thursday next week because it's Christmas, um, mm-hmm. and we're saying the Pats are in the two seed, and all they have to do to lock it up is beat the Jets and Sam Darnold in the home finale? How are you feeling about them then? I'm feeling a little less dead inside. Right. I'm saying <laughs> that's, li- I get, that's only very just reachable. because other people have contributed, but I still, like, I've lived in this house long enough to know something's wrong. I know. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm, I'm just saying for all that the last two weeks have kind of wrought in mm-hmm. terms of, wow, this is not the Patriots, this isn't, this isn't the team we've come to watch every December get better, right. I get all that. And I'm with you, but I I still say the bottom line is they could easily be the two seed like they looked like they were headed for all along pretty easily after week 16. So let's see. It's, it's and I think the Eagles could definitely win that game they, on of Sunday. Of course they could. And I've been preparing all week. Uh, Don, let me just put it this way. I'm not going to be able to shower both inside and out enough to prepare myself for having to root for the Eagles on there Sunday while rooting for the Patriots. Do you know the words? The it's fly, Eagles, fly. Uh, I'm sure Kevin's going to play it for me any I minute think now. It's so fly, I'm sure. Eagles, fly. Yeah, let's all, let's all sing along because this actually is a song you have to like this week, Pats fans. Oh, cruel irony. Oh, Brady, how could you do this to me? The Miami Miracle and that interception to Joe Hayden. All right. I wanted that to keep going just to see if he could continue to write lyrics on the fly. But that was pretty impressive. Oh, it's, it's pretty it's first, brutal, but I you know, know first time ever. I know. How could it happen? First time ever Joe Hayden has been a lyric in a oh, song. Yeah, and also how about this? Now Pittsburgh, you know, taunting the Pats with the pick. A Picture of Joe yes. Hayden airborne. Hey, I get it. It's all fair game. Mm-hmm. It all comes around. At it some does. Point. All right. Very quickly, which which team do you think shouldn't overreact of the likely the five likely playoff teams that lost in Week 15? Which one shouldn't overreact to the loss? I go with Seattle. Here's why: Seattle is locked in. They've got two home games left. A tough one, Kansas City, 
and then an easy one. Going to be a great Sunday night game. And then Arizona. So mm-hmm. they only have to win one of the two. They're locked in. They've been locked in at the five for about two weeks. No matter what, almost certainly, they're going to play Dallas, the four. They're going to go into Dallas. That loss, while annoying and penalty-strewn Sunday in Santa Clara against the Niners, it doesn't really hurt them, and I don't think they'll overreact to it. I think they're still – they've got their blueprint of what works, yep. and that's a loss that they can shake off. Anybody else in that five them you think lost and shouldn't overreact? No, but I do think actually we're not paying enough attention to the flaws. Like, I wouldn't say the cracks in the armor, but maybe a couple little chinks in the armor, just a couple of, of like – Seattle? Oh, Kansas City. Oh, no, I, because, I agree. Because uh, not only did Phillip Rivers throw two uh, interceptions in Chiefs territory, one of which was just unforgivable in the end zone, they were able to pretty much, I mean, five minutes, two touchdowns, had their way with the field. And Kansas City could score, but Kansas City is more mistake-prone. I know Phillip Rivers is going to be Phillip Rivers. What, but, what did I say all season long when you guys kept saying Kansas City? I said Wait to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid in the playoffs makes you nervous. And Clock management was poor. Tyreek Hill dropping a bomb off his face mask in the end. Just little things. KC being KC. I'm telling you, I think when Pittsburgh gave that game to the Chargers, I, I refuse to say what city they're from at this point now. They're just the Chargers. Carson. They should even just be the Chargers. Carson. Exactly. Soccer pitch Chargers. Go f- Yourself, <laughs> Heard last Sunday, last Thursday night in KC. It was a great win for them. I feel like Pittsburgh gave them their mojo back. Those three offsides. Their kicker looks good now. Phillip Rivers is slinging some. That pass on fourth and six to Travis Benjamin down the field for about 15 yards was a gem. And Mike Williams, he's alive now. And Justin Jackson, look like at fifth string running back. Yeah. Chargers are alive, and well, Kansas City's a mess. Well, and that's the thing. They usually wait until the postseason to give away huge leads at home, but they got a jump start on it in Week 15. They were up 14 yep. with like f- less than five. You got to win ago. that game. If you're the number one seed, if you were supposed to be the conference favorite, you got to win that game. And there's another team, Don. Another team on their third string running back heading towards the playoffs. Right. Right. Gus Edwards and Baltimore. Melvin, they're getting Melvin Gordon back. Yeah, he is. Yeah, they're getting healthy at the right time. Look, Hunter Henry has now been has the potential to be activated as well. That's what Stephen A. Smith says. Yeah, that's right. He's just worried about Derek Johnson chasing after him. Uh, it, it was a mess of a Week 15. It really did. It it, it upended a lot of things we thought we knew. Um, is, but there, is there anyone that you think, though, I'll flip the script on you, is there anyone you think rose to the occasion or maybe surged ahead and showed you something? Aside from maybe the Eagles sneaking back in. Well, yeah, I think maybe it would. You know would be the Colts with that shutout against a really hot Dallas team with, you know, really they out-Dallased Dallas. They, they played the same way Dallas had been playing. Very aggressive, punch them in the mouth, running game, made plays out of the pocket. thought the Colts win. They're the best team that's not currently in the playoff format, um, or the f- playoff seating right. at, at the moment. The Colts They're the seventh seed right now, right? That's right. All right, now we welcome to the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens, this week's special guest, former New England Patriots offensive lineman, now currently freelancing for the NFL and the New England Patriots with the NFL Germany effort alongside Marcus Kuhn. My pal and yours, you know him as Seabass. Here's Sebastian Vollmer joining us on the Cover 2 podcast. Welcome, Sebastian. Thanks for being with us, man. Well, thanks for having me. It was a nice introduction by you. <laughs> you kidding me? It's an absolute pleasure, brother. Uh, uh, where are you right now, by the way? I'm in Florida. It's sunny, 
somewhat cold, but better weather than in New England, Florida. You win. Yeah. You win. <laughs> you win 100%. Right now, the weather in New England emulates every Patriots fan's soul. It's about 25 degrees. The wind is whistling. It's, it's virtually unforgiving. So, look, you've been there before. I had a chance to meet you a couple of weeks back here. Uh, I think it was the night of the Packers game here at the stadium. We had a chance to talk a little bit about the inner workings of one Patriot place. What do you think right now is going on, coming off these two difficult losses for the Patriots? Obviously, the one where you have the anomalous gaffe at the end in Miami, and then a game it seemed like the Patriots could have won all week in Pittsburgh, a place you know all too well, and then somehow dropped at the end of the game. What's the mindset right now for the Pats and Foxborough this week? I mean, you know what Bill always says, you know, we're moving on one game at a time and stuff. I think as a player, you don't really overanalyze it too much. Like, losing sucks, don't get me wrong. Especially in December, it's kind of where the teams, like in the past, normally, you know, get better. That's when they peak. That's when they make their playoff run and all that stuff. So right now, it, I don't even want to put it out there, but I feel like it reminds me a little bit of 09, where um, I was my rookie year. Kind of, we were good, but not great. And it was somewhat of a struggle sometimes, but there was no apparent reason for it. And uh, I was one of the rookies. I didn't talk to Bill about that, but I saw like in his um, uh, that was called like the NFL show in the life of the Belichick, whatever it was. Oh, football life, football life. Yeah, that, that one exactly. And he was talking about it like I can't figure it out. Like I don't know why I can't get him to play well. Like he said it like after a game. Like I think it's too Brady. And I feel like that it's it's a little bit going on Miami. Though, it's always a tough place to play. Like, I remember, obviously, it was me. Uh, they had a tough time there against Cam and Wake, uh, you know, for all those years. And um, all I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the heat. I don't know if it's a mental thing. In my they, or they might just be good. You know, I mean, I can't uh, lose track of that. So, it's winning your game is not a given. And, you know, when the game falls in December, well, I mean, you got to, Got to accept the loss, and then Pittsburgh. I mean, they're a good team. You know, they got a got a good offense. The defense, obviously, plays well. So, you know, it, it kind of sucks that it happens late in the year. But I also wouldn't, you know, write them off. And all. Um, especially media likes to do the whole panic and panic button, and nothing's going well, and Brady's getting old and wrong and whatever else you know storyline he can put out there. So, I think they're going to figure it out. Um, I think it's going to be a tough week of practice. Going to be a lot of meeting times. Going to be a lot of holding people accountable, and kind of what happens is they take a place that don't work well and they throw them out the window. You know, it's late in the year. You only got a couple games left for, you know, playoffs and whatnot. And then, uh, so you got to concentrate on what works well. And you can't, at this stage of the, the season, you're not getting necessarily better. Well, it's hard to fix bad things. Like, you just don't have enough practice time, especially with the one uh, pad of practice a week. So I think the solution um, what Bill Momi does is just he throws them out. Like if a counterplay, for example, doesn't work, well, we're not going to run this again. If they don't have time to fix it. Uh, so I think that internally that's kind of what happens during this week. Makes a lot of sense, actually. If things just aren't working, don't don't bother fixing it. Just go with what works now. Let me ask you a follow-up about playing in Pittsburgh. So, uh, 14 penalties for the Patriots for 106 yards Sunday, which was almost unthinkable. It seemed like a, a lack of discipline is just something you don't say during the Brady-Belichick years. Six of those penalties, though, were pre-snap. Is it that loud there? Is it that difficult to play in Pittsburgh? Is the environment so crazy? You know, I remember talking to you about how loud it gets in Denver and how difficult right. it was for you guys to hear each other or read the snap count back in that AFC championship. Yeah, so, uh, I, 
last time I played in Pittsburgh, it's been a few years, I don't remember it being, you know, crazy loud. So whenever you have an away game, it's always tough. It's always, always in a silent count, really, until, um, you know, you beat a team so handedly that the fans just shut up or just, you know, there's so many pitches fans there. So it almost doesn't matter how loud it is because you're all in a silent count. Uh, but then it also becomes, you know, you line up against, I don't know, Watt or, you know, a guy you struggle with. Then you get the the nerves kind of play a role. Then you get antsy. Then you feel like, oh, man, he just, that's what happened in Denver, for example. You, not that you got the, the penalties, but you, you, you the, the, the opponent is in your head. So you feel like, um, you know, I got to get off the ball quicker. Or you're not thinking about the snap count. You're already thinking about the move he's going to put on you. So, you, you know, you know, listen to the play count. Or you forget the snap count. You know, you're dropping the ball because you feel like, i got to make a play. No one else is doing it. So you start to overthink these things and try to do better than what you're, I guess, coached to do. And that's where the phrase, you know, do your job really comes in. And I know it's like a phrase. I think it's trademark by now, but it really means so much more than just, you know, go out there and play. It really just means don't do more, don't do less, don't help your neighbor, don't. Just if all 11 do what they are coached to do and just that, we're that good, we're going to be okay. And I think if you get in this, you know, tough matchup, sometimes you just overthink it, you overdo it, and that's when, yeah, those, those mistakes are happening. We are joined by, we're joined with Sebastian Vollmer on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Sebastian, this is Nick's co-host, Don Banks. I just wanted to ask you, you, you did bring up, you said you hesitated, but you did bring up 2009. Now, the media and the Pats fan out there, that's a loaded year and a memory that they don't care to relive because obviously it was the last time the Pats didn't have a first-round bye. It was also a one-and-done first-round playoff loss, which is a true rarity in the Belichick era. That was a team, as you noted, that Belichick said he never could quite figure out and get to play at the level he wanted them to play. What I wanted to ask you is two losses in December, players are always going to hate that, but i um, Fans and the media look at this the last two weeks and say the mistakes were so uncharacteristic. They were unpatriot-like. They weren't the type of ways that the Patriots, when they did lose, would lose games. Is that concerning to a player, or is a loss just a loss, and you try to move on as quickly as possible? Or does a player let the fact that you lost in ways that you don't usually lose in seep into your consciousness? No, I think so. Stats and you know time of the year and when it all happens. I think that's interesting to fans, interesting to you know to media, to podcasts, whatever, whatever it is. To a player itself, you mentioned it. A lot sucks. You know, I mean, you never want to lose. And then there's also that game within the game. So let's say um, bring it back to Miami. If I play against Cameron Wake and the team has a great game, but I gave up three or four sacks. You know, I'm personally in a hole. The team might be doing great, but personally, I'm struggling with my confidence. I got to figure this out. You know, the the opposite is also true. The team itself maybe didn't do so well, but I don't know. Big any player has a great game, great block, a great catch, all that stuff. So your confidence is high. So uh, I think it also it's not necessarily just the team itself, like all guys on there. It's also um, individual based, and then. I think that's a um, how how the the guys respond the, the following week. Like you were saying, the the, um, the penalties. So those are going to be correct. The plays that didn't work, I mentioned earlier, they're going to be thrown out. 
and you kind of move forward. And then, you know, on the contrary, what I said in online, I mean, you take the Giants and when they beat us in Indianapolis in the 11th Super Bowl, I mean, they suck during the year. And then all of a sudden they've been hot in the playoffs, and that's all you need. Right. So um, I didn't want to say, you know, they're going to be one and done. I just kind of like, it seems they're hard to figure out. I feel like in the, in the years past, it was kind of, okay, you know, they had two losses in the beginning of the year, and then they got 10 games straight, and they'll work it out. Okay, you got the home field advantage. Like all that stuff, it kind of falls into the falls into play at the uh, end of the year. This year, uh, we'll see, you know, how the, how the um, at the end, how if they're number one, two, or, you know, don't have a home buy, but I don't see how that goes. But I wouldn't um, be necessarily too worried about it. Um, I think it really depends on how this, practice week goes and then the following week etc and then you know if they manage to have a to have a bye week i think that would do really well just with injuries and um it gives the coaches a lot of time to work on so i think that's actually the biggest benefit of the, the bye week obviously you're going to be at home the following week but the coaches have so much time to analyze themselves and the three opponents they might be playing against um, that the first week when you don't know who your opponent's going to be, you're practicing what I was saying earlier, but you don't have time normally during the regular week. During that bye week, you do. So you actually have kind of practices. You can scrimmage on that weekend. You can do a lot of things. You almost go back into training camp mode, and that's where you can really make another jump ahead. So I think that would be really beneficial. Yeah, if I had a dollar for every time I read a headline this week with, is this the death of the Patriots dynasty? Are the Patriots finally done? Then Christmas wouldn't cost me anything because everyone's gifts would be on the house. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we heard it in 2014, was it? Trent Dilfer who said, you know, you lost 14-41, I believe, um, uh, to Kansas City. Yep. I got a Monday night game. And, I mean, it was gloom and doom. Brady bench, Brady's is. They're all stuck. Dynasty is over. And then we went to Super Bowl. So, I mean... They're good stories. Um, oh, I get good stories. They're stories. We'll see how it, how it shakes out in the end. Right. Uh, speaking of which, as we segue into a quick question about what you've been up to, uh, what's German for hot take? Uh, that's how it's The literal translation would sound a little sexual. So, <laughs> the literal translation would be too sexual? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like, you know, you know, you know, I feel like it's a PG podcast. So. Yes, it is. Uh, maybe yeah, PG-13 no. at, at best. Well, yeah, yeah, the, the Germans <laughs> are very, uh, they're very open. The commercials like on TV, they're, they're very, um, they're not, they're not proved. Right. Right. So even that translation. Thanks to sex, Seth Wickersham. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that's that's not that's fair. funny. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that one up one day soon. Then or I'll look it up off the podcast. Then so so <laughs> okay. So Sebastian, tell us. Uh, so tell us what you've been doing with the Patriots and with the NFL and the NFL Germany broadcast. I know just just a couple weeks ago the Vikings game. Actually, you were here at the stadium and you and Marcus Kuhn, who both look like you could just put on a helmet and pads. Uh, and step to the field, or you could also be in Game of Thrones these days. Uh, you, you guys, you guys. Actually, I saw you out working the lots, talking to the fans, and then you actually did a broadcast in in German. Now that was beam back to Germany, and is this NFL Germany thing really happening? So that's all planned. So mm-hmm. you were saying me and me and Marcus Kuhn are working uh, closely with the NFL, and really got to give credit to the Patriots who are uh, well, really Mr. Kraft. It's the front runner of this whole bringing the league overseas and trying to um, get other markets involved and, and build the brand, not just the Patriots brand, but really dragging everybody else with them and um, trying to get the, the league um, to 
well, especially Germany, and obviously, you know, you have Brazil, China, and uh, Mexico, right. other markets as well. But um, so, like we were just saying, we, we did for the very first time, we had a regular season game broadcasted live with two former pros um, to a station um, in Germany. So that was great. We had we broke the, the viewership record. The people were responding well to that. So we're just trying to. Um, I mean, I think the ultimate goal will be having a game played in Germany, kind of the same London experience that's been happening for a few years, do the same thing in Germany. Just, you know, create more viewership, more fans, grow the business, um, you know, the marketing strategy. I think that all plays a big role, and I think it's a lot of different little projects that hopefully will lead to that. How, how did the broadcast go? Did you Were you happy with uh, – it was the first regular season game. You, I know you've done Patriots preseason games – but this was the first regular season game broadcast back to Germany, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. So we did, we, we filmed, like, the tailgate beforehand. We, did, um, we went to different suites. We went to the 300 level. We interviewed fans. We uh, went through Boston. We went, you know, we met with Rob Ninkovich. We did, like, a lot of different things um, and played that throughout the week leading up to the, uh, leading up to the, uh, the game. That because obviously the German fans only know the three hours, the three and a half hours of the actual game, but don't know anything else about it. They don't know how practice works. They don't know. I mean, all they know is soccer. All they know is Bundesliga, and that's what soccer players do, and that's right. apparently what every sport does. Right. So just trying to give them the whole experience. But I think they've really appreciated that, and the the, the broadcast itself, um, you know, went well. Uh, I personally loved it. I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, the fans responded well. They did loved it too. Obviously, it was a very Patriots heavy broadcast, but I mean, on, on the flip side, they uh, you know they sponsored the whole thing. Let's say they, they brought us in, they, they they invited the whole station, and um, it, overall, it was a was a great experience. I think I I uh, traveled this summer. Uh, I have a nephew and his wife and family live in Augsburg, so I went to Munich yeah. and Augsburg for the first time uh, during actually World Cup season. And is there a hotbed of American football anywhere yet in Germany? If, if, if you could identify one region or one city, where would you say the most American football fans might be congregating these days in Germany? Uh, I think somewhere between, um, Berlin, obviously just by the, by the sheer size of the city, Munich is pretty heavy. Um, populated in, in fans. Um, Dusseldorf, where I'm from, that whole region, just because it has it's close to a lot of other countries, like a draws from Holland, Belgium, um, has a has a big um, fan base, I would say. And the other one is Frankfurt. And just to bring it back, those are all the cities that were popular during the NFL Europe right. slash World League time. Um, fans back then didn't understand anything, but they loved everything around it. They loved the spectacle I mean, of it. Yeah, and they had forty, fifty, sixty thousand people in the stands, just you know, cheering for the punter. Right. Just, <laughs> right. Didn't know what they were doing? It was like, oh, good. Um, yeah, that's the way the game should be played, though. I mean, the, yeah, everyone should everyone should get the love. I've told Don, I've told the audience before, the most fun I've had in an NFL game, a game you played in actually, two thousand twelve, when the Patriots took on the Rams at Wembley. That was the last time the mm-hmm. Patriots traveled overseas. It's so fun to see different people. Different country, different culture, learning the game, the way they celebrate, the chants and the cheers and the songs. It's like it's blending an NFL game and a soccer match together in yep. one. Uh, and if we think also we like hot dogs and beer, then you got to go overseas. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 like, culture from, you know, yeah, the, the sausages, the beers, 
don't think they used to you know the twelve sixteen dollar cups for beer, but <laughs> they they're still pounding down. It's a whole event. I mean, for a soccer game, it's ninety minutes, you know, plus the, the half hour and the in and out. Yeah. I mean, a football game different for them. It's three four hours, and, and you tailgate beforehand, you hang out after. I mean, it's the whole Sunday. I love it. Yeah, it's a beautiful experience. He's a great ambassador for the franchise and for the game. It's Sebastian Vollmer. You can follow him on Instagram at Volmer Seb and on Twitter at Seb Volmer. Sebastian, thanks for joining us. Uh, best of luck with the NFL Germany efforts, and we'll see you around the stadium, okay? Thank you. Yes, sir. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Sebastian. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, that's a long-term project, but he's right. I mean, uh, it's double the length of the con- – that's interesting, though, the double length of the game. Yeah, I mean it's you know a yeah. soccer game. Generally, they two hours and they're done over there. I mean, I remember watching the last World Cup Germany game. Yeah, um, from a beer garden with about five thousand dejected German fans, and it is not a three-hour expenditure of time. I, I I'm glad he brought up you know it's NFL Europe now. was over there and they did have they had like the rain fire and the was it the Barcelona Dragons the there was a German I, team it was a Frankfurt team Frankfurt I want to say yeah. yeah so, so they've they, already gotten the taste you would think although he he said they obviously didn't know really what the game was about they mm-hmm. liked just watching the uh, the spectacle of it all without understanding it right but I now do, they get it in London now they have actual NFL fans oh absolutely yeah a lot I just, of them too. I just wonder where that level of sophistication is in Germany and how long it might take to get there. But he said though, like one what, that one good point though, like they've already got a lot of the 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 in game and pre game rituals down. Like there's no place you're going to go for better beer and sausages. Uh, so they got one aspect set up. But I liked also too staples exactly that he talked about the the pre game. They they're not used to the tailgate. They don't know the whole idea of the halftime and the post game. Uh, you know, it's you go to an NFL game. I know you've been in the press box for forever, Don, but. Covering the fan side of things for a decade plus now, an NFL—it's not just you don't just drive to the stadium, go to the game, and go home. It's a, a going to an NFL game is a minimum ten-hour commitment. Yeah, it's kind of a mini weekly. Yeah, NFL if you're going to do it right, I agree with Nick. But yeah. yeah, and then if you actually have a good tailgate crew, you plan out who's bringing what. So it's a couple days leading into the game, and so that's why when Brady throws the pick to Hayden, it's so damn frustrating. <laughs> And we're back. And we're back. We cycled back to that. All right. Look, um, week 16, I think, you know. How could it happen? Week 16, you should have at least three or four more clinchings. Uh, I mean, look at it right now. We don't, as I said, we don't know anything in the AFC. There's Mm-mm. no divisions clinched. There's no seedings clinched. There's that's, no seedings. That's wild. Well, there's no seedings clinched in the NFC either. All we have in the NFC, is we have three division champions, but all three of them can still impact their seeding. Right. Um, and that is wild for, for heading into Week 16. Uh, let's be honest. It starts with the Patriots haven't clinched yet, and it's Week 16. That's, that is not mm-hmm. a, a common occurrence in the last decade in the NFL. No. But there's um, just looking ahead at, at um, what we have, and I think it starts on Saturday, right? I mean, we've got Baltimore at the Chargers. Good that's game. A, that's a. There's a lot of juice on that right, game, right? Because I love Saturday football. By the way, yeah, I do too. Oh, it's, it's I loved just it when I was best. a kid when it was one and four, oh. and you could like go Christmas shopping and watch half the game in the mall at the electronic section of J.C. Penney or right. Sears or something. Or I'd beg my pa- like I I get dragged to the mall all day Saturday, and I would just either 
hope that my dad would come pick me up or at least that my mom would allow us to pull in for like a burger and fries at like Charlie's Kitchen at the South Shore Plaza in Braintree. Just like, just let us, can I just go watch a, like a half an hour of it and get a hot chocolate or yeah. something? I, it was great. I almost don't like the fact that it's 4.30 and, and 8.15 now because used to be it could suck up your whole day and you could right. basically have a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You could have a Saturday, Sunday, doubleheader, doubleheader. Oh, no, I love this because I can get so much done. Look. You like talk, the night game. You're huh? talking to a guy with two kids under six. By 4 o'clock, I've contributed most of what I'm going to do to my day. Yeah. So being able to ease into the 4 o'clocker and then everyone's asleep and you can sit back and watch an actual flex-worthy game like Ravens at Chargers. And, hey, listen. Don, there's actual juice in the 4 o'clock game. Yeah, because Tennessee needs it. Well, the Redskins are still alive, and Tennessee is one of three teams that's we got the Ravens, we got the Colts, and we got the Titans. You, exci- up. you excited about that, Josh Johnson, start number two for Washington? No, um, I get yeah, Josh it. Josh Johnson won a football game last yeah. week, Don. Yeah, it was a contest. It was I, all set. It up. wasn't really a game. Yeah, let's it, be no, they yeah. they pulled his name out yeah. and called him down out of the audience. But the, yeah, there's there's two meaningful games on Saturday with the best running back in the NFL, right? The the new juggernaut. Derek Harvey. Derek, Derek Henry. Derek Henry. Derek always, Harvey's oh, also really good. Always call him he Derek might be Harvey. The fifth stri- he might be the fifth stringer. For- <laughs> always call him Derek Harvey. I don't uh, know why. Derek Henry is a beast the last two. I think he's over 400 yards, right, mm-hmm. the last two weeks? Now, he had like 37 carries last week, too. Uh, now, do you think Deion Lewis is mad at his coach, or is he happy now? He's getting... Yeah, I bet he is. I bet right? he is mad at his coach. Right. Yeah, he was all salty after they beat the Patriots and yeah. moved on for his contract. And now they're just riding the hot hand, which is what a good coach is supposed to do. I think the Titans should take care of business a lot easier against the Redskins in what's being billed as the revenge of Arakpo. Wow. I, I, had, I had to reach for that one. I would have not no. made that, that connection. Well, I mean, he's played for two yes, teams. he has. Uh, and then also, but uh, flipping the script, I think Ravens-Chargers is going to be a good game. I do too because, first of all, the Chargers um, – just had this emotional high of beating Pittsburgh and then going into Arrowhead. Going for two, the, the stones it took for that. Yeah, but Anthony Lynn is quietly uh, coach of the year material, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Has to be. It was. I thought it was McVay or even maybe Peyton for a while. Yeah. Uh, Andy Reid was club early clubhouse leader because yeah. Mahomes was putting him in. Putting him out front. Now Mahomes and Reid, I think, are fading in terms of MVP and coach of the year. I think... I'll tell you what, if they have a convincing game Saturday night, I'd put Phillip Rivers in the MVP conversation. Yeah, no, I think he's definitely in it. I think it's, But I think we're down to Mahomes, Breeze, and Rivers at this point. Mm-hmm. I think the Rams have all disqualified themselves. Goff, certainly not. Gurley. And Breeze has not done anything since November to he has it, himself. But I think he's still, I think he's still in the conversation. I really do. Yeah. Um, and well, it may it may be the, the you know the lifetime achievement award factor, but um, right. I think it's still Mahomes, Breeze. Mm-hmm. And Rivers coming up fast. One thing about the Chargers, they started 0-4 with their kicking problems last season. They're 20-6 and since that 0-4 start. So That's pretty impressive. That is, I don't know how, I didn't figure out if that's the best record in the league. I, I think it's the second best. I think uh, I, New England actually might be right there because they won like 10 over the last 11 to end the season last year, right? They were 2-2 mm-hmm. two and two and then they took off. Anyway, so the Chargers are... Yeah, they they can take a huge step, and and don't forget Seattle is hosting Kansas City, so we could have. I wonder if Kansas City really, if excuse me, if Seattle puts the throttle down for that game, or if they save it for Arizona, save it, use Arizona as a playoff tune-up. Yeah, I mean, Arizona's clearly 
I don't think I'm hot taking this one. Arizona's the worst team in the NFL. That's a bad football team. They're injured. They don't have a lot of talent. Yeah. I guess I'd put Oakland right there, but Sure. But, but Oakland They can did, be game. They Oakland can be a little did just feisty. Beat Pittsburgh at home. Mm-hmm. The other good games this week, I think, uh Houston at Philly. We know what's on the line there for Houston and for Patriots Nation, not to mention Philly could take a huge step. That's right. And keep the pressure on Dallas. Um and then the other two, I think, glamour games are Pittsburgh at New Orleans, because obviously the Steelers need it, and the Saints can wrap up the top seed. Right. And then Kansas City at Seattle is the Sunday night game. So you got a sol- so you have a nice continuous as you get into uh there's holiday parties on Sunday, there's present wrapping going on. So as you make your way from being about town, stopping by that holiday party you weren't dying to go to, coming home, there should be quality NFL on the television, one o'clock. 425 and then 820 on Sunday. What we don't get is a good final Monday night game yeah. of the season. Yeah, you should. But it's Christmas Eve. It's are supper, you really, supper and church. Church and supper, depending are on Are you really day. watching much football on Christmas Eve night? Yeah, well, if you're at the in-laws, you usually look to it as a retreat. But right. at this point now, but that Santa game, Claus has got some work to do. That game is Denver at Oakland. Now, the only, the only reason to turn it on is it could be the last game NFL game ever in Oakland. Yeah, they haven't. The Raiders have said they're not sure exactly how to handle this game. Where are they playing next year? They don't know. They don't know. And Oakland has obviously filed a lawsuit. And the Raiders now have said, "Well, if you're suing us, we're not staying in 2019." Right. Um, all Mark Davis has ruled out is San Antonio because apparently he doesn't like the turf in the Alamo Dome. But some people oh, think they on. some people think they could end up playing in Santa Clara. Some people think they could end up playing in San Diego. I think San Diego would be that would be fitting the ultimate troll job just yeah. for a year. Yeah. What if <laughs> Santa? No, Santa Clara makes sense. Yeah. The funny thing is, what if they went and shared Carson with the with the Chargers? That would be fun. <laughs> Two teams a at a twenty-seven thousand seat pitch. A game every week in Carson. Yeah, and they still wouldn't sell them out. And they still would. Well, I mean, Raiders with you Raiders know, fan. See, if I'm an Oakland fan, I'm so torn right now. I don't know if I want to stay a fan as they make their way to Vegas. Las Vegas. There's a there's a huge section of Raider fandom that obviously made the switch to L.A. Uh, yeah. and then back to Oakland. And they, they waited have, for them just like the Rams did. And as they well. still have great fan base in L.A. So. I say Oakland gets an NFL franchise within about five. I think the NFL will ev- eventually expand to 34 or to 36 teams. I think Oakland will get a fan. Uh, they'll get a franchise back. I uh, think San Diego is going to get a franchise. Back I do too. At some point, if California is big enough to have the sixth largest economy and be one of the biggest countries in the world on its own, they deserve to have another franchise. And eventually, I think San Antonio gets one too. Wouldn't it be fun if the Carson Chargers hosted the AFC title game? I mean, tickets would be tight because Philip Rivers is going to bring all his kids right right there. That makes it a near Don's sellout. Don's got jokes. A near sellout. Hey, you can ask Philip Rivers' wife. He's been the number one seed for a long time. <laughs> oh, wow. On that note, on that note, <laughs> Fiji podcast. That's, come on. You have to think about that one. Okay. That's all I said. All right. Thanks to sex, Seth Wickersham. <laughs> that's, t- that's two on that one. Sometimes the callback is worth it. All right. Thanks for joining us on another Cover 2 podcast. Sebastian Vollmer was our guest. Yep. This is our I, wow! This was our Christmas podcast. We went out with a double entendres. Yeah, that's all right. Though. Classy. The stockings were full, not necessarily hung by the chimney with much care. Thanks to our uh, producer Kevin Collins, for my co-host Nick Stevens. I'm Don Banks. Have a great holiday season. 
great Christmas, and we will be back, I believe, next Thursday to talk some NFL football headed into Week 17. Take care. Merry Christmas. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.